0: everybody welcome to football outsiders live stream for Wednesday uh, I'm Aaron shots the editor in chief of football outsiders and you've missed some good uh, discussion of the 506 sports maps of this weekend's games uh, I am joined by Mike Tannier, as always we are also joined by Cale Clinton this week to talk about football This is Wednesday. This is the Ask Me Anything show. So we've got some questions from social media, and you can also ask questions all throughout the show. Uh, If you're watching us on Twitch or YouTube, you can ask questions in the comments and we'll get those. You can also watch the show, of course, on Facebook Live and on Twitter. And... Uh, in the little widget that we now have in the upper right corner of Football Outsiders. So please make sure you watch us every weekday at 1 p.m. So we were just discussing, first of all, how bad Fox's choice of games at 1 p.m. is for this week. It's a uh, Fox doubleheader, which means everybody is getting one of these four games. San Francisco at Chicago, Philadelphia at Detroit, Carolina at Atlanta, or Rams at Houston.
1: Bang, marry, kill, Cal.
0: What are you doing with these games?
2: I'm marrying that. Uh, I'm marrying that Eagles Lions game. I, I Dan Campbell's getting something's going his way at some point. It needs to happen. Uh, I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm banging 49ers Bears solely for the. Uh, maybe we'll get some Lance Fields yeah. storyline in there. Might get some rookie quarterback head to head. But yeah, this is a this is a rough slate, top to bottom. I'm I'm not a uh, this is a big red zone weekend.
0: Yeah, this is a big red zone weekend.
1: Right, your, your AFC games you do get Tennessee versus Indianapolis in the one o'clock window. You also get Browns uh, Steelers. That's interesting in the one o'clock window.
2: Right,
0: that's what's going to most of America because Pittsburgh still has a very large fan base.
1: Large fan mm-hmm. base, but. Overall, this is the time of year. There's a lot of baseball going on. A lot of the bye weeks are going on. Big games on Thursday night this week. So you know, go trick-or-treating with your kids if you're not like us and, and
0: you work. Uh, you know, NFL is your job. Crazy football people. That yeah, I guess it's a good trick-or-treating weekend, but it's especially a good trick-or-treating weekend in the 1 o'clock hour. You want to go trick-or-treating early. Yeah. Yeah. The 4 o'clock hour has Patriots, Chargers, and then even better than that, Buccaneers, Saints. Good, though? Are you excited for Buccaneers Saints? I mean, the Saints are a top ten team by DVOA. They have a really good defense. Last year, they clobbered the Buccaneers. Then the Buccaneers got their revenge in the playoffs. I mean, that's a good rivalry.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was there was a Week One surprise for the Saints last year. I think it was a Week One surprise against the Packers this year. Have you have you seen their offense? It sort of fits and starts, but it's not horrible. I think it's one of those ones, I don't know where it's at at
0: DVOA, but they've run the fewest plays in the NFL. 20th. 20th. I think they've run the most run plays, and they're not passing the ball very much. But right. They the have the fewest,
1: I know they have the fewest passing plays per game in the NFL, and they're like in the bottom five in like total plays run. And I, that's, just, that's just not healthy for a team that's a playoff team uh, uh, offensively. They just they they don't sustain any kind of drives. and don't have a lot of big play capability either.
2: They'll be fresh at least. No <laughs> reps. That uh that Pat's Chargers game is uh you know somewhat interesting to me. This uh this might be New England's opportunity to kind of get back in the uh larger playoff picture after this will also be if they win this, their first win against a non-rookie quarterback. But last year this game came down to a 45-0. Oh, it was return. the colossal special teams disaster for the yeah. Chargers. Like, right. And despite all the upgrades they've made, LA is still 32nd in special teams DVOA.
0: Right. Yeah, right. this is a big DVOA test because DVOA, like a lot of the other advanced metrics on the web, has the Chargers much lower than conventional wisdom. Yep. So it actually has the Patriots higher than the Chargers now. Yeah. I'm and sure. if we had the opponent adjustments at 100%, they would probably be tied. Right. But I mean, I actually made Patriots plus five and a half my best bet of the week because that's a that's a big line that's a a
2: lot to give away that's a lot to give away
1: yeah I, I don't hate them at plus five and a half because they've played all their quality opponents relatively tough except for I, I believe the Saints except for the Saints yep. right right and the, yeah all those hidden advantages uh, if, I'm sure you've you do DVOA, so you've looked at it the uh, the Patriots are like 14th or 15th at everything yes. So it sounds like this nice flat line of, well, we beat the Jets a couple of times, but we got the crap kicked out of us by a couple other teams, et cetera. But, you know, they don't have that pressing weakness. Nowhere along the way I say this is the weakness. Where, again, when we talk about the, the, the Chargers, we can talk about their run defense. We can talk about their special teams. And those are weaknesses that could hurt them in, I guess, a trap kind of game.
0: Yeah, the Patriots do not have a particular weakness. I mean, I think their biggest weakness is a, a player. I think their biggest weakness is Jalen Mills. Okay. Because Jalen Mills has to cover either Mike Williams or Keenan Allen in this game. That's their biggest weakness.
1: He will give up two touchdowns, but then he will come out on fourth and two on a swing pass and and tackle Eckler. That's the Jalen Mills experience. Yeah. Like this big play at this one critical moment, you're like, where'd that come from? And then you're like dealing with him the rest of the game.
2: Yeah, um, Jonathan Jones out too. I mean, it's, well, Jonathan Jones out, yeah. It's good that, that they sucks. don't have that that level of depth though. Like it really is it's Keenan and Mike Williams in the passing game. They don't have to worry about enough like JC Jackson, you can give some you can give a little bit of help from the safeties up top. I don't know how is Devin McCourty still banged up. They don't know whether Devin McCourty's going to play this week. That'll be a big uh that'll be a big factor I think, but I mean, yeah, it, it, at least they're not dealing with like this big like multiplicity of chargers
0: yeah Josh Palmer I think the rookie is like their third receiver and then Jalen Guyton it's Mm -hmm. definitely mostly those top two guys
2: yeah two you got to worry about and that's Um,
0: so I think yeah the Patriots Chargers I'm not just saying this because I'm a Patriots fan I think that's a particularly interesting game because of the way that the because the Patriots also right they want to run this run first offense but their run blocking has been pretty bad all year. Mm-hmm. But then their run blocking was much, much better last week. And you can say that's the Jets. But run defense has been the one thing the Jets have been good at in the last three years.
1: Yeah, and they um, have good guys up front. But it was just they look two steps slower than the Patriots. And the Patriots are not the greatest show on turf. <laughs> they, right. That,
0: but that, the that's run, that's the Chargers' run defense is going to get pushed around. Right by the patriots should be should be pushed around by the patriots run offense right. but then like i said that chargers passing game against the you know how the patriots could use stefan gilmore yeah you know who
1: probably doesn't need stefan gilmore anymore the carolina panthers
0: <laughs> they're they're not knuckle- they no longer seem like they're serious playoff contenders.
1: They do not seem like that. And the Packers are probably kicking themselves saying, why didn't we grab this guy? And the Patriots could have kept him. And we could probably make a nice list of four or five other teams that'd be very happy with Gilmore.
0: I mean, from all indications, psychologically, just the way he felt about his contract, the Patriots couldn't have kept him. Right. Like, he wasn't going to come back and play for them. But I fully agree with you. I was surprised when they made the trade that it was Carolina that bid the highest. Right. Like, Green Bay could so use him. And Green Bay is such a more serious playoff contender right now. Carolina is down to 26th in DVOA, and they benched Sam Darnold. Like, I think Darnold will start again this week, but how many more bad games before they just go with P.J. Walker and they're on the hook for Darnold's salary for next year? It's, it's becoming more and more like this,
1: that was not a plan. That was not a feasible plan there and i keep circling back to then what is the plan and please don't tell me the plan is deshaun watson because that's not a plan that's a hope that's a
0: dream and and the word is the word is that um the panthers have dropped out of that discussion oh okay The the houston chronicle reported yesterday that mm-hmm. the trade is done except that miami wants to know what the legal status would be on watson before they pull the trigger And the league wants to not tell them.
1: I want to know what the stock market is going to be in six months. Come on. Come on. I mean, I
0: I think I I don't quite understand the league's desire to keep some sort of secret here. Like, I think that they should be pretty upfront about what the legal situation is. But they've clearly decided that's not what they're going to do. And I don't know if you can pull a trigger on a trade for this guy. Unless you say, look, we're out of it for this year. This trade is for next year anyway. Right. So let him get suspended for the rest of this year. We don't care.
1: Which is what Miami should be doing anyway.
0: And the, but it's, NFL tough. it's be- a tough co- problem because obviously Watson is an upgrade on Tua. And I'm a big, like, you know, if we're, we should still be up in the air about Tua. It's not decided yet that he's terrible. Right. But it doesn't matter. Watson's a huge upgrade. But do you really want him to be the face of your franchise right now?
2: Right. But even right. still, like, I don't know how much more draft capital Miami can just afford to toss around at this point. Like this is, I mean, the trade up with the Eagles is one thing, whatever. So like, so you will about that. Like, I think Jalen Waddle is still going to be very solid. It's, I don't know if you trade what they traded up to get him, but now you're hemorrhaging more draft capital to get a, player that, you know, very possibly could go to prison and not play in right. the NFL ever again. And this team has way more rebuilding than it actually, like. Thought it did. Thought it did. especially Many of us the thought field. they did. Offensive line, especially. A lot of the defensive side of the ball, especially in the front seven. This team is kind of a mess. And I don't think a, a Deshaun Watson, like, e- even if he plays, it feels it feels like a much deeper structural issue at this point. That can't just be saved with, you know, an all pro quarterback that has a litany of legal uh, yeah. you know, cases against him at this point.
1: Right. We've we've seen Deshaun with a bad organization. He throws 30 touchdowns and they win five games. We've seen that. If that's what they're building there, then has I mean, people have to be held accountable for what happened in the last couple of years.
0: But but we all felt very positive about Brian Flores in the yes. offseason after the I still do.
2: Years. Right. Do you still feel very positive he's, about Brian Flores? I, just as a head coach, I think he, like he's got good command of a locker room. He like the defensive scheme, especially. I think he does well, and he gets guys to you know sort of out punch their weight class. Like he gets he gets good things out of the players he's given to a certain degree. But I also just think like he probably needs a change of scenery too. Like I don't think I, I think Miami just needs to really like. Detonate things. Give a guy, you know, a three to five year window to rebuild. Ryan Flores could still be a good coach somewhere. Maybe get some time as a DC somewhere, and then eventually take another head coaching job. But I think like he has what it takes to be a leader of men, to be a head coach, to make you know proper decisions. It's just I don't think it like Miami's the place right now. In my opinion, We, we talked about Flores as the one member of the Belichick tree who seemed to have success, and then this
0: year happened.
1: It hasn't. And, you know, he's not running around cursing people out like O'Brien or, you know, acting like a goofball, like the uh, the dude up in the, uh, with the Lions or anything like that. And yet, you know, we talk about we don't know what Tua is yet and we shouldn't bury Tua, and I agree. Tua is here in part because of Brian Flores, because he was getting benched multiple times, because of this whole are you a captain or not thing, because of the, the dueling coordinators who seem to only know three plays and two of them are RPOs. So – so if you are botching the quarterback situation when the quarterback situation is the situation and you're a defensive coach and the defense is regressing, I, I don't know what you're bringing to the table at that point point to say, well, this, this is the success you're hanging your hat on.
0: Trexel says the Colts yes. and the Titans is now only 0.5 in favor of the Colts. Yeah. How do we see this game going? And I will point out, by the way, that – uh this was a Tennessee by one yesterday, and it is now the Vegas insider odds consensus is pick them. And I am surprised, because conventional wisdom would say the Titans are much better than the Colts. I think this is a case of the oddsmakers not just looking at DVOA, but having their own methods that are similar to DVOA, and the oddsmakers are thinking more long-term than People who've seen the Titans for the last two games be really, right. really good for just the last two weeks, right. and the odds makers are thinking long term. But what do you think? We'll talk more about this game tomorrow when we'll do the the matchup uh, preview show. But I don't know. What do you guys think about Colts and Titans?
1: I will say it's up to Titans plus one right now on DraftKings. So that line is boogieing back and forth. You're right. we I think I think the house and the public and me to a degree are having a hard time finding the level for both of these teams.
0: The- yeah, I mean, look, look. let's start with the first thing, which is Carson Wentz has been better than I think we expected he would be, right? Like Carson Wentz has regressed to being an average quarterback. The Colts are 17th in pass offense DVOA. I think even, Mike, you've got to admit yeah. that's better than you thought. Yes. This isn't 2020, Wentz
1: it's not 2017 Wentz. it's 2019 whence the year when yes. the Eagles went nine and seven and we talked about how he didn't have any receivers where you do see the high end of his game the big plays down the field and of course you do see the burp fumble or whatever we call that thing he did uh you know during the bomb cyclone but it bounces out big highs big lows it bounces out to an average QB
0: the other interesting thing first of all these teams have already played yes right so the titan you know this is a really good divisional matchup usually those you get at least one of those at the end of the season not this year both of them are in the first half of the year titans won i think it was 25 to 16. yep and the colts shockingly are the number one team in run defense dboa right but the best runner against them this year was derrick Derrick henry (laughs) He had, like, 120 rushing yards or something. So I I don't think they're
2: shutting him down. No, and even last time they played in week three, Derrick Henry, 28 carries, 113 yards. Yep. Kept him out of the end zone at least. But this is that time of year where Derrick Henry just becomes a snowball rolling down a mountain where it just <laughs> keeps picking up speed more and more, like, just keeps building snow. It's, you know, he didn't have an exceptional performance last week. week six but you know he's still only two weeks removed from that monster game against the bills he's picking up steam this season you know people are still rumbling about you know derrick henry mvp Opoy conversation it's getting to that time of year where i i mean he's defied all conventional logic in my head the you know uh that certain number of uh Carries you hit. You're supposed he, to have a level. Of he drop has off.
0: completely defied the curse of 370. Yes, made me look I, like a fool.
2: I've also, you know, I mentioned a couple weeks last time I was on here the uh, regression that 2,000 yard backseat. Everyone has seen a drop off between like 25 and 40 percent of their total yards if they're even a, uh, play a full slate of games. So it, it's he's defying everything. I'm not putting anything past Eric Henry at this point. It probably ends up being a decent Titans win. I don't think Colts minus a half point is an accurate line for this at all. I don't know. It feels pretty one-sided Titans. I, th- I still also think like we're putting a lot of stock into the bomb Cyclone Sunday night football game, and it feels like that might still be just a lot of like most recent game national television. We're putting a lot on this Colts team.
0: Yeah, but we're also putting a lot on the Titans based on the fact that they shut down the Kansas City offense because the fact is until that game, their defense was not good. Yes. Right,
1: right. And they still had injuries on that defense. In the week three matchup, they committed three turnovers. The Titans were marching down the field and turning the ball over. A couple of interceptions, a couple of fumbles. Um, and that was at the point when they're we were still saying what's going on with their offense, what, You know, why don't they run play action, some of the stuff like that. I think they've solved some of their problems on offense. Colts, of course, have solved problems on their offense. Uh, Wentz's ankles are better. They seem to figure out what they're doing. So it's tricky. Again, the reason why this line's moving all over, and I guess we're equivocating right now, it's tricky to find the level of both of these two teams against each other.
0: I will say I I would, if you ask me, like, subjectively, like, not what does the football outsiders, FO+, Mm -hmm. picks, pick. Subjectively, I would go Titans. I do feel like if you kind of adjust for the game in the monsoon and you kind of adjust for the game that the Titans played against the Jets without their starting wide receivers. Yeah. And I, I just I do feel like the Titans are the better team. Right. Um, but I think it's closer than conventional wisdom. I think the lot this line is closer. Like most people would think this would be Titans by four or five. Right. I think this line is probably closer to it than um than the conventional wisdom is. a Useful Baker, by the way, points out about Derrick Henry, outliers are going to outlier, and yeah. he is an outlier. Yep. Yep. And he's an outlier, but his 2,000-yard season
1: looked like it was going to be an outlier too. Most of the time, that's going to regress because it is the absolute pinnacle of what's, a, what's possible. And then you fall back, but, you know, Henry plays – He's by not falling players. back. Plays by different yeah.
2: He's always going to repeat it at this point, which, I mean, that's right. an outlier. Like,
0: yes. that's insane. It's kind of crazy, but, they, you know, their secondary is, is um, have all kinds of injuries, but the Colts receivers have all kinds of injuries. So yeah. no Paris Campbell. I don't know if T.Y. Hilton is healthy. Right. They were, like, throwing to Kiki Kuti last game. Kiki. Two great Houston Texans of the recent past. <laughs> I love yeah. Kiki Kuti. They
1: would run the play where he would go in motion 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage and stop. And then go- for the
0: Patriots that turns into a touchdown pass.
1: Yes, well he didn't pass. He would just go the other direction. He would stop, lose all of his momentum, turn the other direction and then get a swing pass thrown to him for 4 yards. It was it was one of my favorite plays in all of football.
0: Speaking of the Kansas City Tennessee game, Jake Murray asks uh, over Twitter, is Patrick Mahomes pressing because he knows his defense is so bad that he needs to score 21 points every drive? <laughs> I don't know. I. It seems like he's pressing, or is that just Mahomes Mahomesing? I mean, he does a lot of outside structure plays, yeah. but hasn't he always done a lot of yes. outside structure plays? I mean, they look worse now, like that interception he threw to Washington, where you were like, oh my God. Right. But he's always been a guy who ran a lot of out, did a lot of out of structure plays. Right
2: it's always worked for him too. I'm, I mean, we've seen uh, like the last couple of years, it's, it's it's why so many people just fell in love with his game is that he was made able to connect on a lot of these, you know, in, yeah. just out of structure, on the run, like the, you know, play at the Super Bowl where he's going horizontal to the ground, uh, <laughs> even though that didn't get turned for a touchdown, his just sheer ability to make those plays is what's made him such an incredibly special player. And this year, a lot of that, you know, getting into those turnover-worthy plays that are now turning into turnovers or uh, just a lot of those plays just aren't connecting anymore. And I think there is obviously some pressure on a defense to, like, because Kinsey's defense is so bad, uh, he's got some sort of, you know, onus on himself to actually get those plays done. But at the same time, I think that is, like, he's always tried to go for sort of those death-defying stunts or just those really high-flying offensive plays. It's always just been in his game. It's just, for the first time in three or four years, they're not translating into yards, they're translating into turnovers. Here's the thing. Mike and I talked
0: a lot last week about the
2: question of whether sloppy play
0: regresses to the mean. And obviously, the fact is analytics has shown that turnovers regress to the mean much more than yards. But we certainly didn't see that last week. (laughs) If it's going to regress, it hasn't happened yet. But the The other thing is the yards are going away. Like, if you look at the last three weeks, the Kansas City offense, so I just filtered all turnovers out of D.P. Okay. So this is just looking at getting the yards towards a first down, you know, success rate, not including the penalty for turnovers. Over the last three weeks, and this is only three weeks, But over the last three weeks, Kansas City would be 12th. Hmm. So it's not for the first couple games, it was like, well, they're turning the ball over, but the yards and the like converting first down is all still going as always. So like full speed ahead the last three weeks, especially last week against Tennessee, it's not full speed ahead. Like even the yards are not there like they usually are. Right. Right. It's, it's hard to
1: analyze because you will see They look like themselves, just the worst version of themselves.
0: L.L. Salerno asks, how much of a homer am I for betting on the Giants on Monday Night Football? And I believe the line is currently 10. It's currently Kansas City by 10. Looking for it. And, you know, I mean, I guess I would pick Kansas City. I can tell you that the F.O. plus picks have Kansas City, but not by a lot. F.O. Plus, by the way, remember, you can subscribe to either monthly or annually, and you get all of our fantasy tools and our picks against the spread. So make sure you subscribe to F.O. Plus to get all of our tools. Um, I don't think you're that crazy. 10 is a pretty
1: big line. 10 a big line. It's 9.5 right now, but it'll probably still be around 10. You can get it around 10. It's a big line. Giants defense is not bad. Giants defense has stopped some people along the way. So – and you know, again, that deep, that Chiefs defense is so bad. I can see a scenario where Daniel Jones is able to throw screen passes for big gains, get his bomb completion or two per game, um, and possibly throw some other things on like his read options and keep it close. Upset seems crazy, but staying within ten that seems reasonable.
0: It's it. For, I'd say two things. The first is I would feel a lot better about it if it was ten and a half or eleven. Yeah. Yeah. And the second thing is, I still don't know what the health status is on Kadarius Toney, Sterling Shepard, yes. um, Slayton returned last week, Barkley. I mean, I, personally, I think Barkley's entered the doesn't matter much yeah. zone, but, but the wide receivers do. Uh, and I don't know what the current health status is on the Giants wide receivers.
1: Don't Speaking tell the Giants fans. Do not tell Giants fans that Saquon's in the in the doesn't matter zone. Don't I know, I know. But you're but you're right. I don't have a full update on that. If they if they've got several of those guys back, then yeah, I'm saying take that plus nine and a half.
2: Speaking of uh, whether we know he's available or not, did Pat uh, Mahomes end up clearing concussion protocol? Is
1: he's, that... in, he's in Andy Reid concussion pro- protocol, which means he's fine.
2: Don't ask him, him. more
1: questions. It's Andy Reid concussion protocol
0: says he feels fine apparently passed all tests see see. Well, no i think the guy the thing the the question for this week as far as quarterbacks goes is mayfield yes he may I mean, press caught but
1: mayfield he may be practicing as we speak allow me to look that up briefly
0: feel free to talk over this guy no, the, here's another question. By the way, Sh- SlinksyYT YT asks: Should I bet money on a Bills shutout on Sunday? That's an Ooh. interesting one. I would want to know what the odds are over Miami. A shutout. I, a shutout. Listen, as driver of the Tua is not as bad as you think he is. Bandwagon. I would <laughs> not do that. <laughs>
2: I mean, it's uh, happened once this season already, hasn't it? They've already done it one time. I feel like usually in those – But that ones, was
0: percent, wasn't it? That was percent
2: when they shut out Miami. That was percent But, I, yeah, even still in those uh, in those rematches, some things usually shake differently. So I feel like if you go to zero points in the first matchup, regardless of whether it was percent or not, their points where percent has played a little bit better than Tua at points. But, yeah, I, I think they've got to score – At least a field goal. They've got to get at least in field goal territory. I think there's a pride thing at some point where you can't just settle to go 70. Be shut out by the same team
0: twice in one season is really embarrassing. Yes. It's definitely the kind of thing where coaches kick field goals that make it seem like they've given up on winning just because they do not want to be shut out twice. Agreed. And I will point out, by the way, Mm -hmm. that I'm looking here at team DVOA. So this is not uh, passing DVOA for quarterbacks because that only compares passing to passing. This is team DVOA, so I'm comparing to all plays. With 2A quarterback, Miami is plus 8%. With Brissette at quarterback, there's minus 9%. There is a difference between those two guys.
1: Okay. That's fair. By the way, I can't find the shutout odds, and I have to go hunt them down. I'm seeing Dolphins – under 1.5 total touchdowns at plus 125. That's
2: tempting. Yeah, that I like.
1: That's tempting. And there's a couple other props like that. Also, to go back a moment, Baker Mayfield, I don't think they've practiced yet, but he's expected to get starters
0: reps today. DJRM3 asks, as of right now, would you say that Joe Douglas fleeced the Seahawks in the Jamal Adams trade and fleeced Carolina in the Darnold trade. Okay. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I,
2: I think any any compensation you're willing to get for Darnold is a pl- is a plus because you had no intention of keeping. Him. You had Zach Wilson in the fold. Uh, you're not gonna, you know, move on, like you were never going to play Sam Darnold at that point. So I think moving on from him and getting any sort of compensation for him is a good thing. Uh, and the Jamal Adams trade just comes down to usage. Like you, Jamal Adams was not coming back to New York. And yeah, that, yeah, I, I get what Seattle was looking for at that point. Like maybe try and get some sort of like very physical Legion of Boom style safety in the mix. Uh, but he, you know, he hasn't been anything in coverage he's been a you know Peyton
0: Manning was beside himself on the Manning cast that they were playing too deep with Jamal Adams like he was like <laughs> what are what are they what are they doing what are they? he he just went on and on about
1: it right it's
0: funny yeah. because
1: we also saw Troy Aikman pointing out Jamal Adams every time he was in coverage yes weeks after we saw Troy Aikman let's say, ripping Sam Darnold every time he dropped back the pass. So so Troy's on board with a Joe Douglas Express.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't often see color commentators criticizing players the way Aikman was criticizing Jamal Adams. Like, right. like that is, you know, that's pretty upfront.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, so, yes, Joe Douglas absolutely trade-wise, he has gotten value for the Jets. The question yeah. is, can they turn it into – Right. um can they turn it into wins um the drafting has not been that great right. Zach Wilson it's way too early to judge but certainly I mean does not look good so far right. um
1: guys like Denzel Mims haven't come around Perrine from last year and that's the thing Douglas was supposed to be the the draft guy yeah and then Roseman was like the trade guy and now Douglas seems to have the trade guy guy stuff down now we have to see if he's got the
0: draft guy stuff. And then what they're going to do with Marcus May at this point. Right. That's a quagmire. Um, because, you know, do you keep him as a piece for the rebuild or do you get something for him? Like, you got to decide the next week or so. So,
1: You have to make
0: a decision. I think I would trade him. And May's going back and forth saying, oh, I
1: want to stay. And his representation has been like, the, he doesn't want to stay. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, a very, it's a quagmire right now as to what to do there.
0: So here's a question for you. Speaking of Joe Douglas' old team, Matt Noskow asked us before the show, if you were in charge of the Philadelphia Eagles draft, what would your strategy be with the three first-round picks? What positions do you like them to focus on, or do you trade the picks? And I will say, Useful, Useful Baker says, trading players for picks seems good until you see what players you draft with those picks. Well, yeah. I think you judge those two things differently, but yeah. True. And also when you've traded Sam Darnold,
1: like I got something for Sam Darnold. That's a win. Adam's not quite so much, but yeah, a guy that like is not performing adequately and we've got picks for it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if I'm if I'm uh, if I'm Howie, I pick up the phone and I call Russell Wilson's people and the Seahawks with those picks and see how happy he is at the end of the season and see if that's actually a thing. I don't think it is. But in the event that you could say, "Hey Russell, we've got Devontae Smith, we've got other speed, we got all these other things," I would look at that. If I'm picking with these picks, corner, edge, offensive
0: line, and yeah, interior, think, interior offensive line. I think right,
1: interior offensive line because you've got to replace those guys, uh, and that could that can come necessarily later, possibly. But I
0: think that we need solutions of the. I say we like I'm an like I'm an Eagles guy. But I. It's I, okay. I I know there are people who hate when we do that, but that's just part of fandom. You can say we.
1: Right, right, and also I'm the GM right now. We just said that. So. <laughs> but uh, better in the secondary and better on the edge rush and Eagles fans. I know. I talk to you guys every day. We we want linebackers. We want linebackers. Linebackers. You know how it is with linebackers in the first round it's almost like running backs in the first round but want to get some if we have three first round picks and there's and there's day two picks we flood the day two picks and get some other guys at positions like linebacker that have been a liability for like over a decade
2: yeah i think you i if this uh if this indianapolis carson Wentz situation shakes out where you do get that third i think you do trade one of these down at least like you need bodies at this point tennessee or philadelphia ranks 23rd in total defensive dvoa like at some point you like top end talent's great but this is also one of the deepest drafts in recent memory just because of all the COVID opt-out shifting getting that fifth year of extra play it's a massive talent pool you'll be able to pick up better talent than you would in more years later in this year's draft so i you know getting uh you know a kyle hamilton safety you getting a good quarterback or getting some sort of offensive line help, all those are really good things. But at some point you just need heads, you just need yeah. bodies. And I, I think mean, this is a better draft than ever to get talent late. I'm always a big fan of trading down until it gets
0: to the point of ridiculousness. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you don't you don't need to turn your your um your a first rounder through eight trades into 27 seventh rounders. That doesn't <laughs> help you. <laughs> but trading down to get more picks in the second and third rounds right usually does help you. And I think that unless they can turn that into Russell Wilson. Right. Um I do think, yeah, it would be good to take at least one of those first rounders and turn it into two second rounders or a second rounder and a first next year. Right. Um Yeah, at some point first
2: is an embarrassment of riches. Like, I totally
0: agree with you on the positions like that they need. They need secondary yeah. pretty badly. Right. And And interior offensive line, because they have certain positions where they have good players, but those players are older. Right. Like Brooks and Kelsey on the offensive line.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Whatever we do, don't do what the Dolphins did. I'm still not sure what the Dolphins did
0: with all those picks, but don't do that. Well, they haven't had all those picks yet. They still have them coming up. Yeah, they have Houston's pick, and they have Houston's pick in uh, in this next year's uh, first round. Okay, well, they gave they gave their they they gave one of them the Eagles. They gave something to the Eagles for the move up for Waddle, yes. Yes. Which is again, like when you have a deep wide receiver draft, don't give up stuff to move up for a receiver when the next receiver who's going to be taken is probably just as good as the one you just moved up to take.
1: Yeah, and their
0: teammates, (laughs) the one you didn't take had more yards. (laughs) Um. (laughs) jay billings has a question from twitter what are your favorite numbers to look at before placing a bet may i interest you in fo plus first of all yes i mean my favorite number to look at is you know dave or weighted dvoa depending on what time it is during the season and um back to the eagles reuter nfl says hamilton stingley that's Daryl Stingley Jr. And then trade down a few stops to get Tyler Linderbaum, who is apparently Jason Kelsey Jr. Okay. If he's Jason Kelsey Jr., does that mean he has a brother who plays tight end? Because the Eagles could probably <laughs> use that guy too. <laughs> oh, wait, the, the, the Eagles Dolph- did draft the center from but Alabama last year. The Dolphins still have the 49ers first next season.
1: Oh, goodness. Does, I lost do they have all. three
0: firsts next season or just they do two? do not
1: because one of them went away.
0: Give me I a use the their one
2: they traded to Philly. Did Miami trade their own first to Philly? No one can keep it
0: straight anymore. I think I think that Mike is, is uh, looking it up. And then we'll, we'll look this up, and then we'll take the question about which statue he use.
1: Got it. Conference, future draft picks. Tell me, Google. I know I'm supposed to know this. I think it was the all they have next year, the Dolphins only have the 49ers pick. The Dolphins traded their own pick to the Eagles, and all mm-hmm. those Laramie Tunsel tra- uh, picks are gone now.
0: Oh, I thought there still was a Laramie Tunsil pick this year. So they have San Francisco's first. Okay, San
1: Francisco's first, and then they have a second, and uh, they do have a third. They don't have a lot of xx draft capital, which is one of the issues that we keep circling back to with Deshaun Watson. Is yeah. You trade what if they trade for
0: Deshaun Watson, basically their next like three first rounders or something ridiculous like that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, one, thing, one thing I look at, because as you know, Aaron, I'm a big fan of first quarter, first half plays. I'm always rolling through first quarter DVOA, first half DVOA, offense on and defense, looking for little advantages, like the Green Bay Packers being 32nd in defense in the first quarter. If I decide I want to play the Cardinals, not for the whole game, but for the first quarter. That's one I love, but I'm not going through our stats because I'm an FO Plus member because I'm an FO employee. Look at turnover ratios and sacks a lot because I'm always looking at possibilities a game is going to be a points-off turnovers type of game because of a high number of sacks. Sacks correlate with turnovers, with interceptions and fumbles, et cetera. And I'm looking for chances to go over in games because the defenses are so good that they're going to generate points for the offenses.
2: Uh, in underdog situations, I don't hate looking at our uh... – are all our third and fourth down DVOA metrics, especially like down distance stuff, because you are looking for these teams to actually be able to, especially in underdog situations where you're looking for plus points, you're looking for these teams having an ability to extend drives and actually try and put themselves in a position to, you know, at least kick field goals, at least put points on the board in some places. And if you look at our top, you know, the most successful teams in the NFL are currently in our top 10 or top probably you know, once you get into 8, 9, 10, it gets a little bit more dicey. But top five for our uh, all third and fourth down situations. Arizona at one, Green Bay two, Rams at three, Bucks at four, Chargers at five. You know, very competent teams, especially Chargers, especially shaking out, like things shaking out real early. They were a bit of a more hit or miss team in this situation. Uh, you know, a, lo- a lot of luck, especially on that fourth down. All their fourth downs went into play, but you also saw – that negatively affected them against the Ravens, where they couldn't get anything going, and all of a sudden they have their worst loss of the season because they can't get anything going. So it's a it's a nice way to uh find some inequality. I
0: think the biggest thing for better is to look longer term rather than short term. Short term is what fools you. Yeah. The fact is, longer term is more predictive than short term. Yeah. Uh over the law, lo- you know, over the long run. Obviously, there are certain situations where teams suddenly turn it around and there are obviously injury situations like we know seattle is a different team now than they were in the first five weeks of the season right but for the most part looking at a larger sample gives you better information than just the titans kicked ass for the last two weeks (laughs) because they did right like the eye test tells you the titans are super hot well DVOA tells you that if you only look at the last two weeks, the Titans are the number two team, number two team in the league. Right. Matches the eye test for the last two weeks, no question. Is that as predictive as looking at all seven weeks? I'll say this, Kale. When you look
1: at something like fourth quarter success, or or excuse me, fourth down success, or third and long success, are you looking at that as saying this is an indicator to pick that team, or do you look at the way I look at, like say? a high turnover rate over the last couple of weeks where it's like, that's a chance they might be overvalued. High, le- A couple of high leverage-, leverage plays are defining what they did and they might be falling back.
2: I do think stuff like actually placing bets on games is so situational. Like you can look at so many different teams that it just, you know, it's tough to find a sort of catch-all formula to sort of, you know, find these inefficiencies in the market or things like that. Right. But I do think there is something to be said about just like, being able to sustain longer drives, you're putting yourself in a better position to win. But I do also agree with you that like in a situation like the Chargers, you know, at some point you can't go seven and eight on fourth down for, or, you know, seven of eight fourth downs forever. You right. got to find some place where they can sort of drop off. And that might be where you look at the other side of the ball where that gets to defend. You look at How those defenses defend third and fourth down. Yeah,
0: defense on third and fourth down definitely does tend to regress to your defense overall. So I think that that's a good place to find teams that might be overvalued. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, Is teams that are like not good on defense on first and second, but really good on
2: third down Mm -hmm. uh, will tend to regress. And being able to put those drives together is like, can be, can absolutely be the difference in a game. Can just be the difference in whether your team is able to put points on the board or not. So, yeah, the the third down thing on offense, at least what we've seen, is that it regresses less than the defensive
0: third down thing.
1: Right, and of course we have spread picks at Football Outsiders.
0: Yes, FO Plus does pick against the spread every week. So, um, yep, you can look at check that out again. uh, You can get it monthly or annually, and I believe you can get a seven day trial version so you can see everything we've got to offer, and you should check that out. And don't forget, again, to check out the live stream. Again, you're watching it now, or you're listening to it afterwards on the FO Podcast Network. We're here every weekday at 1 p.m. Eastern, and Wednesday, you can ask us questions. We take all the, I mean, we take questions every day, but especially Wednesday, we take lots of questions. Here's another one that we got beforehand on the Twitter, which is from Jim Stekschulte, which of the offensive minded head coaching candidates should I hope becomes the next head coach of the Bears? And he brought up Eric Bieniemy, Brian Dable, and Kellen Moore, all as examples.
1: I like Kellen Moore. Interesting. I like them all. I like them all. I like them all. Uh, I've seen that through two coaching staffs, Kellen Moore putting these things together that I find innovative in a variety of ways, number of ways they're using their two running backs to get them opportunities, the amount of things that they do do with pre-snap motion. Um, and he's been doing it all, you know, under the auspices of Jason Garrett and Mike McCarthy, two coaches, notorious offensive-oriented coaches, notorious for their, like, six play game plans. So that's the thing I look at. It's like I'm impressed by that. And, again, I the enemy, we've been waiting for his chance. We want to see him get an opportunity. Dayball as well. There's going to be a lot of coaching opportunities. I'll see three of them get a job. If I'm picking them right now, the first guy I want to interview is Kellen Moore.
0: I was thinking Dable just because I think Josh Allen and Justin Fields have a lot of similarities, and so mm-hmm. you've seen what Dable can do with Josh Allen, mm-hmm. you know, because he set up a similar offense for Fields, especially because what is our biggest criticism right now of the Chicago Bears? It's that they, the offense they have is not built around the quarterback that they have. Right. And Dable will build an offense that's built around Fields' actual skill.
2: Yeah, as much as I like, you know, it, I feel like it's really tough to replicate Chief success. Especially, I think Eric Bieniemy is going to be a great head coach wherever he ends up yeah. if he ever ends up getting that opportunity, which I think I'd definitely like to see him get. But yeah, I still think it's stable I still think that the twenty or the twenty twenty season that he was able to put together the Bills is still one of the more impressive efforts we've ever seen. Just the you know what <laughs> the just Complete shift in Josh Allen's total career. I do wonder if the Chicago roster, as currently constructed, would be able to facilitate a table offense because it completely shifted once Stefan Diggs got in the building and they actually had a star wide receiver. And I still don't really understand what's happened to Allen Robinson this year. Just yeah, he's down like, this year, man. Completely fallen off the face of the earth in a what I thought would be a really big contract year for him, and we'd see him actually earn that big next contract uh, playing on the franchise tag. But, yeah, I think Dable probably best equipped to actually handle Justin Fields as a quarterback, put him in the best position for success. But I still think, you know, it, it's a lot deeper than just, you know, what place is Justin Fields running.
1: Right. Oh, gosh, yes. There's a yeah. lot of problems there. At the general management level, they have to make some decisions as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. It is time for change in Chicago. Yes. And I don't want the fact that they're, what are they, three and four? Like, they're going to be in the wild card hunt, and they should not allow that to blind their eyes to the fact that they need to make change.
1: That's that seventh wild card. There's going to be a lot of teams like, well, we got to try and reach for it. And I get that for the fans, and if you're a young team rising up, whatever. But the idea that, like, yeah, we're going to have success at eight and nine, that should not – that Should not be a, a determining right. factor in, in the future.
0: being the seventh seed is good for the fans and it's good for the players to get in a winning yes. culture. But you don't want to make your future decisions about the management of the team based on the fact that you scored the
2: seventh wild card,
1: not with your fourth year running the team with your right. second quarterback prospect that is you know is wilting on the vine.
2: I just hope they don't end up getting the second straight uh, Nickelodeon playoff broadcast game, because why are you doing that for the children? Why would you do that? <laughs> <to> the <kids>? <laughs> <laughs> subject them to the bears? Oh, Just man. There's right. exposure for the children. That's not Justin, what
0: Justin Fields could be the MVP.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That'd be
1: exciting. But you're right. Like 15 years from now, there will be no young football fans because they all watch the Nickelodeon games. Like, I'm not watching that. There's fun stuff on YouTube. Give,
0: give the kids the Chiefs, man. Give the kids the Chiefs. <laughs> give, give them, them the homes. Give them the Ravens. Uh, Geek Robo says, random but related. I'm not sure what this is related to. <laughs> Would you all take Brady's six hundredth touchdown ball, or all the goodies they gave that guy—thousand-dollar gift cards, signed jerseys, Bitcoin, etc.? The ball was valued at five thousand dollars, five hundred thousand dollars, five hundred thousand dollars. So it's probably a dumb question. What's a Bitcoin? <laughs> uh, do I really need? You're joking, right? Like you know what it is. I kind of know. Yeah, let's just, is like, let's this just thing that fun. you kind of own on the computer and the computer <laughs> knows that you can't copy it and it's worth money somehow. Okay. Um, well, a couple of things. One is we're media,
1: so we have to give the ball back. Like, I couldn't even, like, I caught a foul ball once in a baseball game. The guy came running to me, like, you give that, you hand that back right now. So we would have to do that. But, uh, you know, I would take swag as a fan. I would take swag. Uh, uh, but, uh, I, Yeah, I think Scott Spratt said on the internet that you should you should hold out for a golf
0: outing, golfing with Brady, something that's not that's what he wanted, something that's not
2: uh, uh, that you can't really spend money on, right? Yeah, he said after the fact he wished he got a uh, a golf outing with Brady, but yeah, I think it ended up shaking out to like everything that's been mentioned, like multiple Mike Evans things, like signed cleats and a signed jersey, a couple Brady jerseys and helmets, but I think. The biggest thing is he's getting more or less like $100,000 in straight uh, crypto. Yeah. Uh, he's yeah. getting a Bitcoin, which is around like 60 something K right now. And then Gronk also chipped in an extra 30 K in stable coin. Which yeah, is it like- helps.
0: that I think both Brady and Gronk now have um, deals with crypto companies yeah. to do promotion.
2: Mm hmm. But that basically shakes. Yeah, I know. I'm an old person. I don't understand it either, dude. But that basically just shakes out to you know all the memorabilia you could ask for. Uh, he also got two years worth of season tickets for Bucks games and thousand dollars at the team store. So it shakes out like you know he's getting a decent, considerable value, especially considering he lost all this leverage the second hand of the ball back. I think <laughs> I'd want if I if this is directly sentimental to Brady, I feel like I would try and swindle some Patriot stuff out of him. Like, there's got to be some good uh, – some good Pats, uh, like, pieces that you could get some collateral on. Just try and get something out of that. I don't know. I don't think the uh, the Bucks memorabilia is going to have as much, uh, like, long-term value. Uh, I think when we look back on Brady, depending on how long he ends up playing there, I think a lot of the Pat stuff, if you're looking in terms of the total value of the memorabilia, you're, I'd rather – Sentimentally for me, I'd rather the Pat stuff, but I think also just monetarily. I think once he plays once he
0: plays three years for the San Francisco 49ers from ages forty-eight to fifty. I don't <laughs> know how much the Tampa Bay stuff is really good for. No, <laughs> it's period. gonna be stopgap.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'd want I'd ask for a 15 minute interview exclusive. Audio, video with Brady, and we're watching film together. So he can't give one-word answers. If if I don't like, like if he's not explaining to me football for 15 minutes, that we can use football outsiders as content. That's like well, you're not getting the ball back. So I want him to come in and like be like, oh, "This is how football works, Tanya," and I'll be like, "Yes, sir. Yes, sir." And we and we put it on the on the site, and then he gets his ball back.
0: I would have just wanted the big cash payment. <laughs> I'm simple like <laughs> that. Just buy everything my, back from me.
1: I'm trying to increase my profile here. You know. <laughs> But, I mean, I don't
0: need a signed Brady jersey to prove that I caught it. I would just uh, get video of it somehow from, like, somebody taped the game, and I'd be like, keep that forever. Like, here's a picture of me getting the 600 touchdown ball.
2: Yeah, how many broadcast angles from the game have already caught that, too? So, like, right, that's easy for you.
0: I guess you could ask for that along with money. You know, I would like money and a DVD of showing me getting the ball from Mike Evans. You could make an NFT out of it, right? In fact, I'm surprised that they haven't already. In fact, they probably already have, and we just don't know. That's a thing that's real. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> NFTs are a thing. I I don't know why people pay for this stuff, but in a way, it's like why do people pay for baseball cards, right? I mean, because of the way blockchain works, there is a rarity to Bitcoin and there is a rarity to NFTs and they are, you know, one of a kind in a lot of ways. So in that way, it's the paying for a one of a kind digital thing is no different than paying for a one of a kind, you know, there are only so many Billy Ripkin swear word on the <laughs> end. of the <laughs> yeah, out there, Right. I mean, you know, like people pay for rarity.
1: Yeah.
0: We pay for yeah. lumps, yeah. of, lumps of rock that are yellow.
1: That are rare. That's what we build our entire economy on. So,
0: yes.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, people care more about digital profiles and things now, but we could also do a whole extra hour of us trying to figure out why this is important.
0: Yes. <laughs> and it will be Watch gone. as two <laughs> old men and one have one youngster explain to them how blockchain works. <laughs> there are, few, like, I know anything. There are some people on analytics Twitter who are very knowledgeable about the whole NFT situation and the whole crypto situation, and I am not one of those. People. Right, right. Uh, Ryan Pagnetti, the guy who used to work for the Eagles,
1: yeah,
0: and is now on Twitter, has yes. a real interest in this. Cool. Uh, I'll, I'll reach out to him.
1: we i have him on the
0: show to talk about uh, football NFTs. Cool. Um, bonus we'll question from Jake Murray that came on over the Twitter before we did the show. Do you feel bad for Dan Campbell?
2: Immensely. <laughs> okay. I, 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 I'm going to. I, a little like fun offseason project for me is basically just going to be me equating Dan Campbell to Ted Lasso. Like, <laughs> actually, it's, it really is like, it feels like fish out of water the whole thing going in. He felt too abrasive, too much of a stereotypical football guy going in. But the more and more that I like, because I, I lampooned him essentially throughout, you know, during my year in quotes, I had a whole Dan Campbell se- uh, section. From he gave me enough material to do that in the two or three months in the time that he had been hired, doing so the kneecap biting and the stuff talking about having a real line on the sidelines and like a graveyard in the field, mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of different things. But the more I've read about him, the more coverage I've seen about him. This guy cares so much, yeah. and he's also getting all of his players for the first time. And however long, like Matt Patricia had people popping champagne in the locker room mm-hmm. after his last year or the last week of his first year in Detroit. His players just knew he they were never coming back to Detroit, they hated this, it was a miserable thing. People seem to really like Dan Campbell thing. He's a genuine guy. And I respect everything that he's done in terms of just trying to go out and win football games. Like the aggressiveness on fourth down to go for it in the Vikings game, putting the Ravens to the brink and needing a historic field goal to you know clutch that one out. And now in the you know, the first two series of the Rams game where Get the touchdown. Go for the onside kick. You run two fake punts in the game. I just wish I just wish he kept his foot on the gas instead of doing the uh, you know, run the clock down, try and draw the Rams offsides, and go and kick the field goal. Like keep your foot on the gas. Like keep your foot on their throats. Like like yeah. I want this team to win so badly just for Dan Campbell because he cares. And I, I it's I could I could talk about this for a while, but I mean I think if he gets some good. And I even like what Anthony Lynn's been doing offensively, but I think if Dan Campbell gets some really, really strong coordinators in the building, and Dan Campbell just takes over as sort of the rah-rah guy and just becomes a really good locker room presence, mm-hmm. and you know that'll also take a, a roster around them that can facilitate the talent. But it, I, I'd love this team. It's I've become more and more infatuated with the Dan Campbell neat cat biters <laughs> as the season's gone on.
0: I feel bad for him because he didn't ask for like record-setting field goals to be kicked against him. Right. He has no control over that. I feel a right. little bad because they're going to end up with the number one pick in a year with no good quarterback. Right. On the other hand, he did take this job. He didn't know what he was getting <laughs> into. Like he knew he was taking over a losing team. Right. right. So on that, in that sense, I don't feel bad for him. He knew there was rebuilding to come. Well, he's talking about kneecaps, and his opponent,
1: Philadelphia Eagles, Nick Sirianni is talking about flowers growing in the locker room. Yeah, what's how the f- order and soil? It's like preschool <sighs> in the Eagles. So we talked about this beforehand, but this could be the chance for Dan Campbell because kneecap biting trumps flower growing
0: in the NFL. It usually does.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. RPS.
0: <laughs> All right. One, one more question before we go. We sort of talked about this a little already, but let's talk just to answer. Jay Billing says, I laid the points with Sam Darnold on the road last week. Never again. What is their long-term solution at quarterback? So, I mean, we've talked about this a little. They are stuck with Darnold for next year because they picked up the option. Yeah. And this is a draft that doesn't have, I think the Panthers have to take a Quarterback prospect in a draft where none of the quarterback prospects particularly stick out.
1: Right. We hear Deshaun Watson's no longer on the table. I don't think PJ Flick and the Flick tones are going to be the solution there. And no. this is, and, and what happens is when I get very down on coaching staffs and administrations, it's when they play the uh, procrastination game at quarterback, where year one with the Panthers, oh, we don't have a quarterback, but we brought in Teddy Bridgewater to be a bridge. Year two, we're not going to pursue all these quarterbacks in this draft, which they could have done. They could have had, you know, Mac Jones, et cetera. We're bringing in Sam Darnold because we're playing Galaxy Chess. Now year three, oh, there's no quarterbacks out there, so I don't know, we're going to go try Dwayne Haskins or whatever. When you do that, it it's not successful. You know, well, you know, we've got a seven-year contract and we'll get that. Then all of your opportunities early on to rebuild don't happen, and that's how you wind up a team like, say, the Bears, where a couple of years later you're like, Where's the beef? When did, when was this supposed to start?
2: Yeah, I you know, picking up that fifth-year option still doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Right. Even if you wanted to gamble and say that we're going to go with Sam Donald long-term, even though you really didn't have a sense of what he was, especially considering his first three years of the Jets, you know, I still don't think you take that risk and you play it out at the end of the season or something. But, yeah, their, their quarterback answer probably isn't in the league right now, but I also think that, you know, I think they try their best to, you know, take someone that like take someone in this draft. Wherever that shakes out, I don't know how things are going to pan out with this quarterback class. uh, It doesn't seem like any of them are really going to jump off the board. Not having a five quarterback first round like we have, you know, two of the last four years, but they'll probably stick with Sam Darnold for another year, which is unfathomable. Like (laughs) not unfathomable, but a very crazy idea to me. Just not. Yeah, I I think they have to at this point. They're kind of hamstrung cap-wise. They'll probably – whoever they take will probably have to sit for an indeterminate amount of time, and from there it's, you know, however it shakes out. This defense is too good to keep getting held back by the offense. Jay Billings says, Zach Wilson to Carolina after Darnold fails in
0: Carolina and Wilson fails in New York, and then the two franchises end up merging and St. Louis gets an expansion team. Probably not going to happen. No.
1: That makes as much sense as just about anything
0: else. St. Louis is suing the NFL. They're not getting an expansion team anytime soon.
1: Right, right. Also, Robbie Anderson is not that good, folks. And also, Christian McCaffrey, I don't know what that's going to be moving forward. Also, the Panthers' offensive line is not very good. Everybody's dropping passes. There's a lot going on there. Quarterback's the biggest problem, but there are problems. It's not like this is a team waiting for
0: Deshaun to come and save them. Okay. Um, Okay, we have to, we're have ending with a fantasy trade question. Oh, God. this We are not the experts on this. You should come back on Friday with Scott Spratt, but you probably need to make this trade decision before Scott does the show. Yes. Uh, would we trade Eckler and Justin Jefferson for Fournette, Dalvin Cook, and Amari Cooper? Well, I don't know what Fournette replaces, so it's really Eckler and Jefferson for Cook and Cooper. Right. And I don't think I would make that trade because Jefferson is pretty freaking awesome
2: nets not enough to sweeten that deal. Uh, I feel like Amari Cooper and uh, C.D. Lamb kind of go off depending on the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dalvin Cook also never plays 16 games. I know he's already missed a couple here and there, but Alexander Madison seems like a good enough uh, secondary option where they might slow play anything. At this point, Justin Jefferson is a huge target magnet, and Austin Eckler is, you know, is especially if – I don't know if you're playing in a half-point or a point PPR league, but – uh, Eckler is so valuable in that Chargers passing game. And like we've said, Chargers already have limited op- uh, options offensively. I think Eckler's too valuable to lose at this point. And Justin Jefferson's awesome. So I don't think what you're getting in terms of compensation is going to be good enough to justify it. And Michael
1: Gallup is coming back. So there's going to be even more not enough football situations for Amari Cooper and the Cowboys.
0: All right, folks, that does it for the Wednesday live stream. Thank you so much for joining us. Good stuff as usual. Thank you for joining us. Uh, We are here every weekday from 1 to 2 Eastern time. Uh, Thank you so much, Cale Clinton, for joining us today. Thank you, Mike Tannier, as always. Thank you to everybody for bringing your questions. Please don't forget to subscribe to us, especially if you watch us on YouTube or Twitch, or if you are listening to this as a podcast, rate the podcast. It helps us uh, more people find the show. Uh, Tell your friends, tweet about how much you enjoy our live stream. Let's get us some more people watching it, man. It would be awesome. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow, Mike and I, with Brian Knowles, previewing Week 8 in the NFL. Can't believe we are at Week 8 already. All right, that does it for today. So long, folks, and we'll see you tomorrow.